Chapter 38 The Four Heavenly Kings It was still dark, and that surprised me. So I continued gathering precious stones from all over the forest endlessly. Gems of all sorts were buried through this land, and after I found twenty-eight exquisite and unique crystals, I had filled up both my hands. I brought the stones back to the medicine wheel, and then I began to place them in a pattern like a spiral. With the four directions inside the large dirt circle, this spiral was an expression of something wild, wave-like, and primal. Olin Yuktaku, hasn't this night seemed quite long? I've become so present and absorbed in this moment, but why hasn't the sun come along? We are in the night of nature spirits, and this medicine wheel summons the four Yaksha kings who hold all control. From the moment you built the outer circle of the medicine wheel, the Yaksha kings of the four directions emerge from the earth, and so they come to put the sun on hold, said Bolin Yukdaku. The Yaksha kings? Yes, the four heavenly kings. Some call them angels, kamis, deities, devas, or nature spirits. Some are very peaceful and reveal treasure and music. But if you upset one of these kings, there is imminent reason to fear it. They are not visible to the human realm, unless you can see with your third eye. For they are the guardians of each gateway, the four archangels, whose spirit is eternal and cannot die. They have been known to inhibit sacred places and shrines, natural phenomena, or even people who have asked for their blessing. But I should warn you, you mustn't ever waste their time or wait them when they are resting, said Bolin Yuktiku. Why would you ever wake one up? Well, you're waking all four up at once, said Bolin Yuktiku. All four? What four? The four who summoned Savitar, he said. Savitar? Yes, the Impeller, Rouser, and Vivifier. This is the sun just before it rises to bring the great warmth and ardor. The protector of all and guardian of spirits, Savitar is the true lord of the eternal order, said Bolin Yukdiku. And as for the heavenly kings, you said I just awoke all four at once. Why would you let me do such a thing? After all, I'm just a mortal and a dunce. You are aligned with the intuition and nature knows no higher calling than that. While the entire world fights to claim land, accumulate wealth, and perfect their passions, the earth was going to die without the human protectors while so many humans refused to help and turn their backs. While the world kills for more money, they'll invest in all sorts of bombs, guns, and tanks just to keep the economy rolling. If you were tested beyond the normal limit, beyond what a normal human could take, and here you are, still going. As I'm sure you've noticed, the tests get harder as you go, and while everyone else tries to hang on and gather more knowledge, more artifacts, and more of everything, you were strong enough to let go. And not just let go of what you know, but let go of who you are and where you've been. You let go of your career, attachments, family, and even your closest friends. The world is like a great wheel. And while everyone else got consumed in the material world, their desires kept on spinning. 
And so they forgot who was there at the very beginning, said Bolin Yuktaku. And who was there at the beginning? Bolin Yuktaku had a big smile and kept grinning. With the medicine wheel before me, my eye studied the lapis lazuli stone in the very middle. There I noticed a small root that grew out from the center, which appeared to be shaped like a crown, emerging little by little. I was there at the start, when I stood at the peak of the pyramid and gazed into the great panther's kingdom and saw the three others. There was an eagle king, a serpent magician, a hummingbird lover, and of course, I am the son of the panther and its jaguar protectors, said Bolin Yuktaku. There was that root curved out from the lapis lazuli stone, and so I began to trace its path that I'd found. This led to the eagle feather in the first direction, pointing out from the ground. We are in between the four cardinal directions, as this creation space is comprised of the four earth elements, and when these four come together, the spiritual essence grew to cultivate spiritual potential into human development. If the four elements can be balanced together, the individual can reach the peak of human growth. To reach this level of awareness is like standing atop the Great Pyramid's highest stone. The four major forms of the mature masculine energies are the four sides of the pyramid, temple, stupa, or steeple. Here they are seen as the king, the protector, the magician, and the lover, or nature knows them as the jaguar, the serpent, the hummingbird, and the eagle. These archetypes overlap and enrich one another. By working with one, in turn you are building up the others. Each aspect contains a peak in a heightened state of mind, but just like the boyhood energies, each aspect has two bipolar shadows. When at the peak, the individual embodies the pinnacle of any given archetype, but when off balance, you'll descend to the lowest nature. Often ego and selfishness are exposed. Can you remember the boy energies you once learned about? The divine child, the hero, the precocious child, and the edible child. They all have their active and passive poles. And so each archetype is built upon the lower aspects of the bipolar shadows. This boyhood pyramid is the foundation of manhood. And so one must reconcile and heal their childhood before their journey into manhood has begun. And as the four sides come together, they form the nucleus of the lover, king, protector, and magician, which fosters the pinnacle of the spiritual and mature man. For instance, the hero prepares the boy to become a protector of the land, the divine child becomes the king, and the edible child grows into a lover in his fullness just as the precocious child is the magician in his wholeness. These archetypes are always in flux, the same way a river flows. They could be compared to a magnet, and these forces propel or repel thoughts and actions which enable us to grow. Just as the field of a magnet is not visible, these mature forces or archetypes remain hidden. Yet we still experience the effects like a mindset, and when these faces become unaligned, a hero or king would act more like a tyrant or villain. I recall a time when you said you wore many masks. Each was something different. Maybe one embodied love or courage. Maybe it was something like fearlessness or wrath. And if I'm not mistaken, you wore these masks at various times 
to guide you along your path. Masks like these are faces of expression, and these could be seen as archetypes within each of us. By allowing each mask to be heard, we must supervise the ego's motive so that we can remain loving and just. Often I've heard the ego is the enemy, and it may even be debated that this ego must be killed or slayed. But how do you stop the ego when our world is dominated by them? Surely there must be one of us who rises to tame and train their inner beast, then release it from its cage. What if you could harness this extreme energy? What if we could cultivate a means for this profound righteous power? Isn't this the faith that moves mountains? Surely it would be a four-faced beast that conquers the immoral and corrupt rulers who seek control to overpower. Surely ego can be an enemy, the same way a man such as Hitler would want to destroy or abominate his fellow human's life. But what if someone learned how to balance the four directions properly? Then could they fight for all that is right? What would happen then if an eagle, a serpent, a jaguar, and a hummingbird came through one form to rise? Surely the corrupt leaders would hate the light this man brought, and so the narratives and gossip would spread, claiming that this being with four faces should be despised. But what happens when the earthly governments and leaders cannot defeat this one? For no evil could conquer such a bright force. Let their whispers spread, for there is the one who rides upon a four-headed crazy horse. Now of course, this is symbolic, but I am here so that this teaching will be available to all others. The four faces of any pyramid is the same potential that lives within every man, and so anyone hearing this can become an eagle king, jaguar protector, serpent magician, and hummingbird lover," said Bolan Yuktaku. I studied the eagle feather in the first direction of the medicine wheel, and once I touched it again, I understood how it had come from an eagle king. The eagle looks over the angelic mind, and so it is the ultimate ruler with heavenly wings," said Bolan Yuktaku. Then this feather represents the cardinal direction of the king that looks over all the people, and this eagle king is one of the four faces embodied within any pyramid, stupa, or steeple. It is the first of the four archangels, and so the other three each support the other as they correspond. In essence, the four directions, four elements, and four archangels are each a single face of that mountaintop of creation we know as God said Bolan Yuktaku. And about this eagle king, who is he or she, and where do they reside? Tell me where I can find this one, then I'll speak with the eagle king as to why the illuminated sun does not rise. The eagle king rules over the land, air, and sea. Its home is everywhere, as the eagle king looks over all and flies ever free. The only thing the king cannot overcome is fire, and that is why its curiosity brings the Eagle King so high to observe the sun in the sky. But before the king emerges to any human, first the hero of the boyhood self is killed, as that boyhood hero personality has to die. The Eagle King is sacred, and like the stoic he is, this king is mindful of death. As the boyhood hero feels invincible and unconquerable, the king looks over the land knowing that someday he will die and the kingdom will be reset. 
This eagle looks for a worthy leader to follow, and only the one who journeys through the unconscious will meet this king. Once the boyhood psychology vanishes and dies, only then will the mature man come online to reorganize and restructure his own personality, said Bolin Yuktiku. But who is the Eagle King, and what message does the Eagle King bring? Is this being a god, or just a regular animal? Is this king something within my imagination, or is it something rational? Go to the marsh, and look upward toward the highest tree. There you'll find the Eagle King, who flies ever free. The king is the central archetype, and like the Divine Child, this good king is at the center of the world. He sits on his throne atop the primeval hill, and all of creation radiates out in geometrical form. There are two functions of the Eagle King's energy that makes the transition from boy psychology to man psychology possible. First is order, and the second is the providing of fertility and blessings. In ancient myth, the world arose from the formless and chaos of a vast ocean in the form of a central hill or mound. The world came into being by decree, by the sacred word of the Father God, who is Yahweh in the Bible, who cannot be known and is ever profound. From this primeval hill the land was created, and from this central ordering then all life arose. The gods, the goddesses, humans, animals, cultural achievements, and even the plants did grow. And with this coming of succession, the world was defined by the sacred kings, spread out in all directions. This was the basis of civilization. What is really interesting about this view of the ordering function of the king energy is that it shows up not only in ancient maps, but in the sand paintings of the desert Indians, the icons of Buddhist art, and the rose windows of Christian churches and also in dreams. These maps are mandalas, and this is the medicine wheel you've created in the ground. This mandala is connected to the healing and life-giving source. This is where problems are solved and where answers can be found. These maps signify renewal, or a reordering, and the function of this energy embodies a shift to benefit the people, and this turning of the medicine wheel is the ordering principle of the divine world, which is carried out by the king. The purpose of this mysterious order is to move society forward, and the eagle king does this in union with the land, and this right path is in line with nature. It is the eagle king's duty to guide the people through right order or action, and also, even more fundamentally, to embody it in his own person to live it in his own life. The Eagle King's first responsibility is to live according to the scriptures, the Dharma, or the Tao. And if he does, everything in that kingdom, the creation, and the world will also go according to the right order. The kingdom will flourish. And if this king does not live in the Tao, the Dharma, or the scriptures, then nothing will go right for his people or for the kingdom as a whole. The realm will languish. The center, which the king represents, will not hold, and the kingdom will be ripe for rebellion. If a fall occurs, there may be a disastrous social and economic consequence with a line of illegitimate kings who do not live according to the Mat, Tao, Dharma, and scriptures.
Look to Egypt and its ruins, for once the eagle king ruled over before the kingdom fell. Once the illegitimate kings took the eagle king's place, the rivers dried, the green land turned to desert, and it became a kind of hell. For ages and ages, these illegitimate kings have taken control over the land. They dominate and consume the resources of this earth for their own selfish plan, said Bolan Yuktuku. Then this is where we are now. But why doesn't the Eagle King resurrect the right way? Why would these illegitimate kings rule for thousands of years? Why wouldn't the Eagle King come to take back control without delay? A new human king must arise who embodies the principles of right order. And this king will restore order upon the earth. This will prompt a great spiritual evolution and the land in order will undergo a great rebirth. Justice will come into place and wrongdoing will be driven out. A new earth will rise and people will remember what heaven is all about. Here heaven means right order. It is the way of nature, the birds and the bees. It is hidden within plain sight, but it takes an eagle king to help the people truly see. And since the old order has failed to live according to the will of heaven, a new dynasty will be established, but this could come through rebellion. Again, the king operating under the mature masculine must live the right order in his own life. And secondly, he must be willing to enforce it and not quit. What is inward becomes what is outward. And so the king is a servant and an earthly embodiment of the spiritual world. Once the eagle king arrives, the changes will naturally unfurl. In conjunction with the ordering function, the second vital good that the king manifests is fertility and blessings. Ancient people associate fertility with the creative ordering of things by God, and so the crops, birds, and the human realm can exist within heaven. As the king looks over the earth, he sees the land as his goddess and bride. This union is a source of creativity and fertility, and from this connection, there are blessings that the earth herself will provide. When the king thrives in union with the land, many blessings, booms, and prosperous seasons will be birthed. If the king becomes sick, weak, or feeble, the kingdom will be languished. The rains will not come, the crops will not grow, the cattle will not reproduce, the merchants lose their trade, and the general feeling upon earth is anguish. The eagle king is the earthly conduit from the divine world to the earth. But again, no one can even find the Eagle King unless an individual was brave enough to begin the search. This search is the separation from the old ideas and the way the boy was raised. It is letting go of the old patterns. And this is the path to manhood, which is the journey of the sunrise illuminating a new day. A good king always mirrors and affirms others who deserve it. He does this by seeing them and noticing them. The good king is delighted in promoting others to positions of responsibility in the kingdom. Young men today are starving for the blessings from older men, starving for blessings from the eagle king. This is why so many young men cannot get it together. They shouldn't have to because they need to be blessed. They need to be seen by the king because if they are, something inside them comes together for them. That is the effect of a blessing. It heals and makes whole. That is what happens when we are seen, valued, 
and rewarded for our legitimate talents and abilities. Many ancient kings or people in kingly positions fell far short of the ideal image of a good king. Only the eagle king who lives in union with nature and is symbolically wedded to the land can bestow the blessings that nature does bring. The king archetype in its fullness possesses the quality of order or reasonable and rational patterning of integration and integrity in the masculine psyche. It stabilizes chaotic emotion and out of control behaviors. It gives stability and centeredness. It brings calm and in its fertilizing and centeredness, it mediates vitality, life force and joy. He brings maintenance and balance. The king defends our own sense of inner order, our own integrity of being and of purpose, our own central calmness about who we are and our essential security and certainty in our masculine identity. The king looks upon the world with a firm but kind eye. He sees others in all their weaknesses and in their talent and worth. He honors them and promotes them. This king guides them and nurtures them toward their own fullness of being. The king is not envious. It rewards and encourages creativity in all of us. This energy is like a boss who confronts the rebellious subordinates at the office without firing them. This energy that expresses itself through the assembly line foreman when he is able to work with the recovering alcoholics and drug abusers in his charge to support their sobriety and give them empowering masculine guidance and nurturing. This is the energy that expresses itself through you when you are able to keep your cool when everybody else in the meeting is losing theirs. This is the voice of calm and reassurance, the encouraging word in a time of chaos and struggle. This is the clear decision after careful deliberation that cuts through the mess in the family, at work, in the nation, and in the world. This is the energy that seeks peace and stability, orderly growth and nurturing for all people, and not only for all people, but for the environment, the creatures, the plants, and the natural world. The Eagle King cares for the whole realm and is the steward of nature as well as of human society. This is the energy manifested in ancient myths of the shepherd of his people and the gardener of the plants and animals in the kingdom. This is the voice that affirms clearly and calmly and with authority the human rights of all. This is the energy that minimizes punishment and maximizes praise. This is the voice from the center the primeval hill within every man, said Bolinyuktiku. But this eagle king, we must find him, since it is this planet that is in need of the blessings that only he can bring. You said he lives high above the marsh? Is that where I'll find this eagle king? Before you meet him, you should know about the bipolar shadow of the kings that currently rule over the earth. For long ago, a mutiny rose up against the eagle king, and so the egos of the human realm has taken control over the entire planet's dirt. The Eagle King lives within us all, and perhaps there have been moments when we felt integrated, calm, and centered. But most of us confess that overall, we have experienced very little of the Eagle in its fullness. The sad fact is that this positive energy of the King is disastrously lacking in the lives of modern man. Mostly what we have experienced is what we call the bipolar king, as in this case of all the archetypes, 
there is an active and passive bipolar shadow. We call the active pole of the shadow king the tyrant, and the passive pole the weakling. Look around the world today, and you'll find the tyrant just about everywhere. This is the king who dominates his land and people, and so the world lives in fear. We see the tyrant in the story of Jesus' birth. Soon after Christ is born, King Herod discovers that the Eagle King has been born, and so he sends soldiers to Bethlehem looking for Jesus so that the child can be killed and left in the dirt. Because Jesus is a divine child, he gets away in time, but Herod is a tyrant and orders the soldiers to kill every male child left in town. Whenever the new Eagle King is born, the tyrant within us and outside of us will attack. The tyrant hates, fears, and envies new life because that new life, he senses, is a threat to the ego's slim grasp on his own kingship. The tyrant king is not the center and does not feel calm and generative. He is not creative, only destructive. If he were secure in his own generativity and his own inner world, he would react with delight at the birth of the new life in his realm. If the tyrant had been such a man, he would realize that the time had come for him to step aside so that the archetype could be embodied in the new king, Jesus Christ. The tyrant exploits and abuses others. He is ruthless, merciless, and without feeling when he is pursuing what he thinks is his own self-interest. He often walks with his right hand beside his pocket as if he was about to grab his gun. His degradation of others knows no bounds. He hates all beauty, all innocence, all strength, all talent, all life energy. He does so because, as we've said, he lacks inner structure and he is afraid, terrified really, of his own hidden weakness and his underlying lack of potency. It is the Shadow King as a tyrant in the father who makes war on his own son's and daughter's joy and strength. He fears their freshness, their newness of beings, and the life force surging through them, and he seeks to kill it. He does this with open verbal assaults and depreciation of their interests, hopes, and talents, or he does it alternatively by ignoring their accomplishments. His attacks may not be limited to verbal or psychological abuse, but also physical abuse as well as sexual assaults. The tyrant king manifests in all of us at some time or another when we feel pushed to the limit, when we are exhausted, when we are getting inflated, and it comes out in certain personality configurations, most notably in the so-called narcissistic personality disorder. The people really feel that they're at the center of the universe and that others exist to serve them. Instead of mirroring others, they avidly seek that others must mirror them. Instead of seeing others, they seek to be seen by them. We can also observe the tyrant king operating in certain ways of life, even in certain professions. These are the drug lords, the pimps, and mafia bosses are examples. They exist to further their own status, and what they care about is their own well-being, even at the expense of others but we see the same self-interest in societal sanctioned positions as well. Notice how most recent politicians from all countries are talking about him or herself. They say, I will do this. I will get rid of debt. I will make this country great again. I, I, I. 
they always talk about his or her achievements. How many times do they say, I did this and I am doing that? Why don't they say, we are healing the earth. We are making society great. We can make the world the best it has ever been. They are always speaking about his or her own power, his or her wealth, and his or her virtues. They are egomaniacs. Many people in corporate America today have little interest in the companies they work for. Many are just treading water, looking for a way out and up. Here we find the executives who are more interested in furthering their own careers than in being good stewards of the realms, lands, and technology placed under their authority. There is little devotion or any real loyalty to the company. It is only to themselves. This is the CEO who negotiates for his own financial benefit, to sell this company, to see it dismembered and rendered impotent, to see his friends and loyal employees fired as excess baggage in the new popular buyout. The man possessed by the tyrant is very sensitive to criticism and will feel weak and deflated at the slightest remark. Rarely will he show this. However, what you see is rage. But under the rage is a sense of worthlessness, of vulnerability and weakness. For behind the tyrant lies the other pole of the king's bipolar shadow system, the weakling. If he can't be identified with the king energy, he feels he is nothing. The hidden presence of this passive pole explains the hunger for mirroring and wishes for others to adore or worship them. This explains their angry outbursts and their attacks on those who they see as weak, that is, those upon whom they project their own inner weakling. The man possessed by the weakling lacks centeredness, calmness, and security within himself, and this leads himself into paranoia. The man possessed by the bipolar shadow of the king has so much to fear. In fact, because of his oppressive behaviors, often including cruelty, he feels that he must get them before they get him, is a paranoid mentality. When we think back to boyhood psychology, we can see the tyrant's relationship to the high chair tyrant arising as he does out of his infantile patterns. Grandiosity is normal in a certain way in the divine child. It is appropriate for the divine child, like the baby Jesus, to want and to need to be adored, even by kings. What parents need to do, and this is very difficult, is give the divine child in their own child just the right amount of adoration and affirmation so that they can let their human child down off the high chair easily, gradually into the real world where gods cannot live as mortal humans. The parents need to help their human baby boy learn gradually not to identify with the divine child. Imagine a wealthy and prosperous father who has a son and gives him millions of dollars. This baby will resist being dethroned, but his parents must persevere, both affirming him and taking him down one peg at a time. If not, this child's body will grow into a man, but his psychology will stay in boyhood. He will be viewed with all the success of his father, but no humility to control it. If his parents adore him too much and they don't help the baby's ego form outside the archetype, then he may never get down from his high chair. Instead, with the power of the high chair tyrant, he will simply cross into adulthood thinking he is Caesar. 
if we challenged a person like this and say to him, My God, you think you're a king? He may very well say, Yeah, what about it? This is one way the shadow king is formed in men. The other way the shadow king is formed is when the parents have abused the baby and attack his or her grandiosity and gloriousness from the beginning. The grandiosity of the divine child or high chair tyrant then gets split off and dropped into the boy's unconscious for safekeeping. The boy may come under the power of the weakling prince. Later, when he is an adult and functioning primarily under the dominance of the weakling, under the enormous pressures of the adult world, his repressed grandiosity may explode to the surface, completely raw and primitive, completely unmodulated and very powerful. This is the man who seems cool-headed, rational, and nice, but who, once he's been promoted, suddenly becomes a different person. A little Hitler, said Bolenyuk de Kuh. For as long as I'd been listening, it had been dark this whole time. I waited and listened, but there was no sunlight to find. Olenyuktiku stayed beside the medicine wheel. This was the sacred mandala I'd created in the dirt, and so I stood up to journey toward the marsh where I believed I'd find the eagle king who looked over this earth. I searched near and far, but it was dark everywhere I could see, and then an idea came to me. If the eagle king was part of all of us, then that's the part that is dying to be set free. The Eagle King cried out. I looked in the darkness when a great lion with the wings of an eagle came forth. Who dare summon the Eagle King? Who would dare wake me from my sleep? What human would call forth the Eagle King, especially when the plants, animals, and creatures are not yet free? Said the Eagle King. His eyes were upon me, and this Eagle King was more than just a bird for its sight could see through me, and he listened to everything I was thinking, even my emotions could be heard. You ask who I am, and all I can reveal is that right now I have come alone, for I have been born into a human body, and from my birth a boy emerged, but now a man has grown. I am not my body, and I am not my emotions or this mind. I am like a seedling, no different from all other aspects of your nature. And so within my heart, I am a ray of the divine. So when you ask who I am, then I admit I am nothing more than a messenger who comes forth with a great warning. The sun has gone out, and it seems like a long time since the sunrise brought a new spiritual morning. I seek that dawn, and in the process, the order has cast me out and thrown me into the wilderness of the lion's den. Meanwhile, my fellow humans remain fast asleep in this world of debauchery, greed, anger, ignorance, and sin. I realize this earth was made to embody heaven, but it feels as if at any moment the world is ready to break. So who am I truly? I am the one who turned the other way, and so I call upon the Eagle King. May you help all beings rise, illuminate, and awake. I fell to my knees where I bowed and prostrated my body before the Eagle King, for I was a servant of the Cardinal Directions, and so I would offer myself up to help relieve the suffering of all sentient beings. You say you were thrown to the wild and cast out. Oh, I'm aware of you, my son. 
because the only way you could find me is to let go of who you think you are and discover who it is that lives within you before your life ever begun. I recognize you as my own, for you are my son, and look how you've grown. But why is it that all the other humans are still asleep? Said the Eagle King. I cannot speak for the others, but I followed the intuition within. It led me around the entire earth as I was called to surrender to the ways of the world and give up my attachments and things. By listening to the forces of nature, I observed a secret order in which I could not explain. There within our nature I found God, but the men and women of this world have left the earth constrained. I call out to you, my heavenly king, for if anyone should rule, then you must reclaim this land. Come down from your heavenly perch and rule over this earth and all the corrupt man. You call me back after many centuries, but I alone cannot force the sun to rise. You must call forth the other three heavenly kings, and if they agree to stand with you, then I too will come to your side, said the Eagle King. Some might call this Eagle King a beast, but only because he was a fierce protector of nature, for unlike the men and women of the earth, this guardian was one of the four beings who would not forsake her. Then I will go to find the others, and know that I will always look to you as my guide. I believe in the great spirit that is woven through all beings. May you keep watch over all plants, creatures, and humans, and call out when the sun does rise. Without warning, the Eagle King swooped down and ripped off its wings with his giant claws. Gifting me these wings, he lifted me off the earth when we flew among the stars, but I couldn't understand what brought upon this mysterious cause. Let me reveal a great secret, for this is the way unknown to man. The true Eagle King lives within all beings, as we are all great guardians of this land. The first task in accessing the King energy for the would-be human kings is to disidentify our egos from it. We need to achieve what psychologists would call cognitive dissidence from the King in both his integrated fullness and his split bipolar shadow forms realistic greatness in adult life, as opposed to inflation and grandiosity, involves recognizing our proper relationship to this and the other mature masculine energies. That proper relationship is like that of a planet to the morning star it is orbiting. The planet is not the center of the star system, the morning star is. But the planet's job is to keep the proper orbital distance from the life-giving star which is also potentially death-dealing, so that the planet can enhance its own life and well-being. The planet derives its life from the morning star, so it has a transpersonal object in the star for adoration. Or to use another image, the ego of the mature man needs to think of itself, no matter what status, money, or power it has temporarily achieved, as the servant of the transpersonal will or cause. It needs to think of itself as a steward of the king energy, not for the benefit of itself, but for the benefit of all those within its realm. A realm could be the world, a land, a family, a country, a club, or a way to support the community. There are two ways to look at the difference between the active and passive poles in the bipolar shadow system of the archetypes. As we have seen, one way is to view the archetypal structures 
as a triangular or triune. The other way is to talk about the ego's identification with disidentification from the archetype in its fullness. In the case of identification, the result is ego inflation, accompanied by fixation at infantile levels of development. In the case of extreme disidentification, the ego experiences itself as deprived of access to the archetype. It is, in actuality, caught in the passive pole of the king's dysfunctional shadow. The ego feels starved for king energy. The sense of deprivation and lack of ownership of the sources of and motives for power are always features of the passive poles of the archetypes. The shadow king as tyrant, because he arises, according to this perspective, when the ego is identified with the king energy itself, has no transpersonal commitment. He is his own priority. Because a man's ego has not been able to maintain its proper orbit, it has fallen into the sun of the archetype, or drifted so close that it has drawn off, as we see in double star systems, enormous amounts of ignited gases and becomes bloated with them. The whole psyche destabilizes and the planet pretends to be a star. This could be the sign of throwing nuclear weapons around the planet. The true center of the system is lost. That is what we are calling usurpation syndrome. The ego seizes the king's place and power. This is the mythological rebellion in heaven, described in so many myths, when an upstart jealous idol tries to seize the throne of the high god. The other problem in accessing this energy we're suggesting arises when we feel that we have lost effective touch with the life-giving king altogether. In this case, we may fall into the category of the so-called dependent personality disorder, a condition in which we project the king energy within onto some other external person, which we do not experience as within us. We experience ourselves as impotent, as incapable of acting, incapable of feeling calm and stable without the presence and the loving attention of that other person who is carrying our king energy projection. This happens in family systems when husbands become too attentive to their wives' moods and fear to take initiative because of the attacking anger their actions may bring. It happens too with children when their parents do not allow them to develop sufficient independence of will and taste and purpose and the child remains under their wing in our work situations. This happens when we become too dependent upon the power and whims of the boss, or when we feel we don't dare sneeze around our co-workers. It also happens on the larger scale of nations, when the people, regarding themselves as peasants, turn over all their own inner king energy to one person. This abdication syndrome, the hallmark of the weakling, is just as disastrous as the usurpation syndrome. When we are out of touch with our own inner king, and give the power over our lives to others, we may be courting catastrophe on a scale larger than the personal. Those who we make our kings may lead us into lost battles, abuse our families, allow mass murders, think of the horrors of Nazi Germany, or they may simply abandon us to our own underlying weakness, said the Eagle King. Gone with the darkness and the distant stars, I could not find the sun but the darkness was trying to show us something. Somehow, somewhere, it was like I could feel the rising rays of the sunlight approaching. 
And this was the onset of the Eagle King. And when we are accessing the Eagle King correctly, as servants as our own inner King, we will manifest in our lives the qualities of the good and rightful King, the King in his fullness. Our soldiers of fortune will drop to their knees before the Emperor within. We will feel our anxiety level drop. We will feel centered and calm and hear ourselves speak from an inner authority. We will have the capacity to mirror and to bless ourselves and others. We will have the capability to care for others deeply and genuinely. We will recognize others. We will behold them as the full persons they really are. We will have a sense of being as a centered participant in creating a more just, calm, and creative world. We will have a transpersonal devotion not only to our families, our friends, our companies, our causes, our religions, but also to the world and its creatures and plants. We will have some kind of spirituality, and we will know the truth of the central commandment around which all human life is based. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might, and thou wilt love thy neighbor as thyself," said the Eagle King.